The things these streets have seen, like legends, half man, half machine, who head up north to go down in history. But here in the Ville, nothing comes for free. Because here, there's no should. These streets reveal what's really under the hood. If these streets could talk, they wouldn't. They'd roar. They've seen the unforgettable, and they just want more. NTI Townsville 500. Book now at Ticketek. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, welcome along. V8 Sleuth Podcast is back for 2023. It is time for Season 5. It sounds like one of those TV shows that just won't go away, but it keeps on getting syndicated. That's us, the V8 Sleuth Podcast. Uh, Will Dale, that's the man laughing on the other microphone. Hello, mate. The, the TV show that won't go away. That's a great way to start the year. You know some of Build those shows? Up, pump you know, us up. Yeah, I do know the exact show, hey, but we're long, not one of those shows. Longevity in this game is totally important. We've got it. And we're going to have more of it. So I'm quite happy to say that we've been sticking around. We're going to start the year with some questions and some answers because there's been a mounting email list and social media posting list of questions. We get questions pretty much every day here. At our life is questions. Pretty really. much questions. Yeah. Occasionally there's answers and we thought for our first two podcasts of the year, this week and next week, we'll go through that backlog of questions because our sleuth followers always have questions. They're all good ones too. Like Some pretty really much. cool things have come in. Yeah, stuff, are, stuff we really had to sort of dig out to try and get the answers for. Uh, my brain's still sort of in holiday mode. It's just getting rolling now. So doing this pod will probably get it up to 100 100% speed. So let's barrel in. Uh, first off the rank is Zane Mercher. He says, woo, actually, no, woohoo, it is. My favorite <laughs> podcast has returned. But his question is apart from my bad attempt at humor to start the year, who won the most privateer sprint dashes from 1995 to 1999 in VAT? So for those who don't know, um, privateers weren't getting much TV coverage back in the day. So they came up with the concept of basically replicating the dash for cash for them. Hmm. So they had their own three or four lap sprint dash that would be shown in the telecast, give them a little bit of airtime, good for their sponsors, good for their profile, little trophy and a little bit of love. And it didn't count towards the whole Privateers Cup, which I didn't realise, like, the results of this, that was a whole separate deal. So the dash was just, like you said, pure sponsorship opportunity. I think the first one was... Uh, Phillip Island 95, it was, which was yep. actually sponsored by Parramatta City Raceway. It, it was, that's right. That would have been a Mike Raymond thing surely, in the background to, to weave all that together for sure. But that was a crucial little part of it because oh, yeah. it's only three laps and it was edited generally. It wasn't a live three laps. Yeah. Rem- remember though that the Privateers Dash was run, I think it was the following year, it was on Sports World of a Sunday morning on Channel 7. That was the, the reason the to PJ watch it. Because the PJ Dash had gone the, the, for yeah, 96. The, the, the Peter Jackson Dash as it was had departed because cigarette sponsorship had gone in the 95. Hmm. I think a lot of people weren't too upset to see the Dash for Cash disappear because there was plenty of drivers who, albeit 
forgot that they won a lot of money in it, but had the constant irrits that it cost them grid positions, which they they changed the format on that over the years and got a bit better. But well, it also helped rumble the um, Ford lightweight panel thing in '95 oh, yeah, as well, Perth. with the shunt that right. Bauer had. Yeah, the uh, bonnet that just peeled off like tissue paper. Mm, I remember that's the one. Uh, but yeah, Sports World that was great. 1996 Sunday mornings. They'd show the dash, and usually, I think from memory, I can't remember. I don't think it was live, live, but I mean, you were getting, yeah, you were getting something that you weren't otherwise getting. And at the time, we didn't swim in this current of lots and lots of television hours of content like we do now for supercast coverage. So anything you got, five minutes worth, take it. Absolutely, and you were lucky it wasn't at ten thirty p.m. that night after the movie up against the F one race. That's right. That was a thing in the time. Who mm. were the men who did all the winning in so, the dashes? So, like we said, first one, Philip Island ninety five, ran all the way through to the end of the ninety nine season. Uh, Cameron McLean and Mark Poole won six apiece, and they are the um, ladder leaders in for time immemorial for privateer sprint dashes. And McLean would have won all of his in ninety nine mm. when he joined V eight Supercars. He'd been a super touring guy. Bought a DJR EL Falcon, superseded by the AU. But the Privateers Cup races then were run on a Saturday and they were like 20 laps, 15 laps, depending on the track. And they were shown in trackside Mm. a week or so later. So they weren't part of the V8 supercar broadcast on 10 on the Sunday, but they got a run uh, in trackside down the track. So McLean won six. Mark Paul, he won the first one. He did. In, in, at Phillip Island. In the 93 Bathurst winning Commodore. That's right, did too. But who's the only driver to win a privateer's dash and a, let's call it main game, Peter Jackson dash? Thought you might ask this. Fortunately, Shane dug that one out as well. <laughs> um, it's Thomas Mezzera. Thomas! Yeah. He won the first five-litre era Peter Jackson dash at Amaru in 93. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe... Is it in Chris Murden's car? It was, car? the Densitron was, car. Yeah. Um, I think also at Phillip Island. Phillip Island, 98. Yeah. yeah. Still wearing his HRT race suit from 96. Yes. yes. Hey, you know, if it was in date, use it. That's true. Follow-up question here. Michael Simon. Uh, Hi, guys. I'd be interested to know what's the longest pairing of engineer, mechanic, and driver in the series, either Touring Car Championship or V8 slash Supercars era. Were there any pairings that bridge the iterations of championships from Group C to A and into uh, Supercars as it sits? Now, this is a difficult one because a lot of those eras, there wasn't really engineer driver like we have very well defined now in V8 supercars and and supercars, but there's probably a couple of names that spring to mind here. And we could do that, we'll do the quick sums on who's sort of the longest, but Mm. clearly Mark Dutton and Jamie Winkup was a maybe not as long as others, but probably the most successful. Oh, like Dutto was there for. The, the start of the Wind Cup Briggs golden era. era. Well, yeah. he's oh, he was there Briggs from, right yeah. through. Yeah. So by my quick maths, Ludo engineered Jamie when he first went there and at the start of 07, I think somewhere in 07 they swapped. So mm. so you could accredit Jamie's first four championships to the Dutto era mm. and then Dutto became the team manager, didn't he, after Adrian Burgess left. Yes. So uh, that was, what, halfway through 13 or thereabouts. Yeah. So, um and at that point, David Couchy steps up into the race engineer role at yeah. some point. I'm not sure exactly when. Well, he was with Lucas Dumbrell's team for a year, remember, mm. at the start of Car of the Future. So um, maybe Dado, oh, off the top of my head, I think maybe Dado engineered right through the rest of that year. That would make sense, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but that's a long, successful one. Yeah. For that matter, there's Wink probably a Couchy for, as well. Oh, through, yeah, and then yeah. Couchy followed through afterwards uh, with a fair stint with, with Jada. But probably the current one, the current one, 
the guess the obvious one is Adam DeBore and Chaz Mostert. They've mm. been together over a decade now with just one year apart in 2016 when um, Adam was at DJR and Chaz was at Tickford. Mm-hmm. Oh, FPR, PRA, whatever it was called. Uh, that. I, think it was I think it was PRA Pro, at the yeah. time, Pro Drive Racing Australia, yeah. And they've worked together not just in supercars, but they've also worked together in GTs as well. So that's been a very long partnership and probably unusually long given that they've also moved from team to team to team. I mean, they started out at Tickford in Super 2, moved to DJR when they were both seconded there in 2013, back when DJR had that relationship with FPR. Then they were Tickford together for most of those following years and then when they went to Walkinshaw and Andretti United together and still are there. It's a package deal. You don't mm. get one without the other. That is the deal. When Chas Mostert comes to your team, pretty much you get the, the other fellow with him. Yes. Uh, wandering it's along not with a his bad deal. Too. Hey, it's a good deal. Really? I, I'd take it too. Uh, it's a very good deal. The other guy that springs into my mind here, not so much in terms of working with a specific driver over the period, but just for longevity at one place, is Robbie Starr, who this year takes on the role as team manager for Walkinshaw and Dreddy United Super 2 program using two of their superseded ZB Commodores. Of course, they're going forward in um, the Repco Supercars Championship. He started at what was then the Holden Racing Team in 1991. That's incredible. And right through that period, he's either been a mechanic, team manager for a time in the HRT era. There was a year, 2008, where he was at PWR helping out young Andrew Thompson and working yeah. on that side of the fence. So whether oh, I can't remember off the top of my head if he was kind of still employed at Walkinshaws and sort of outsourced or, mm. or what the scenario is, but he's had this unbelievably long run at the one place over such a long period in you know pretty much all these management, engineering. You know He's been on and off engineering roles in recent years. Uh, he's pretty much done it all at that team. And arguably most famous for being that voice that would repeatedly tell Scafie to breathe on yeah. the radio. Yeah, breathe, Mark, breathe, yeah. breathe. But as you were saying, like the longevity of him being there, um, I don't know if, whether you saw that recent video that went up onto YouTube that Australian Muscle Car put up there of that testing vision. Oh, from the, H- yeah. the Wally Story wing on the VN Commodore? Yeah, there's a shot, um, and I'm 99% sure of this, there's a shot of two mechanics up on top of the Phillip Island garages and one of them starry, a very oh, young Rob Starr. I think the other thing was his brother worked at HRT ah, when he okay. went there. So, so it might be a star if not oh, I haven't seen star. the vision, but I wouldn't yeah. be able to probably confirm or deny that, uh, that one. But, yeah, he, he's a guy that definitely springs to mind. When you think longevity in the paddock, touring cars, supercars, mm. V8 supercars With one in the middle. Team. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty hard that's pretty hard to beat. Some of the guys at Dick Johnson's team over the journey had a pretty long, you know, Dino, Dave Johnson, his oh, brother Dino was there was for there a long ages. time. Keith Chesterton's still there. Casey's I think he still joined there. mid eighties. Yeah, so there's there are some very long termers around, but not very many of them. It's a bit of a moving uh, puzzle that is the, the I guess the makeup of a, a supercars team over the course of year to year. Uh, have we got another question? Have we got a question about Nissans? We do have a question. Ooh, have okay. you read ahead here? Yeah, this I did. question Sorry. from Yomal Kamara from Yomal Kamara Siri. Hi guys, love the podcast. Did the same chassis win the 1991 and 1992 Bathurst 1000, or were they different? They were different. Mm. Two different cars. One, one of those races. Yeah, the one that won the 91 race wasn't even in the country anymore for the 92 race. No, it had gone to Southeast Asia. Mm. It had been used as a windfield car early in 92, hence why it was in the red base windfield colours when it went overseas. That's the car that came home and was restored oh, some time ago now and Kerry McMahon raced it in Heritage Touring Cars there for a time. I think it's part of Tony Alford's collection now. And the 92 car was the last GDR. I think they built five 
yeah. all up. One of which was the GIO customer car. customer car. Yeah, so four factory cars for their own use and one for a customer. And uh, that 92 car was the last car. Mm. So, um, But it wasn't the last winning GTR in Australia because because it was damaged at Bathurst in the crash in the rain at the top of the mountain at uh, Conrod Strait. It needed to be repaired, and it wasn't repaired in time for the Australian Grand Prix support races. So although Jim Richards raced there as car number one, he was the only car from Gibson Motorsport in that last Group A run at the Adelaide Grand Prix. Mm. That was actually the Neil Crompton Anders Olufsen scafe car that had become number one for the weekend. So uh, the Bathurst winner wasn't the last GDR to win a race in Australia. Nice. Oh, the car that inadvertently if you read the Jim Richards book, (laughs) led to car one being badly damaged at Bathurst. It's all Crompton's fault. Yeah. (laughs) The things these streets have seen, like legends, half man, half machine, who head up north to go down in history. But here in the Ville, nothing comes for free. Because here, there's no should. These streets reveal what's really under the hood. If these streets could talk, they wouldn't. They'd roar. They've seen the unforgettable and they just want more. NTI Townsville 500. Book now at Ticketek. Uh, Josh Cochran, other than saying move it closer, what can be done to get categories and series to come to Western Australia? He'd love to see TCR, TCM uh, in Perth because they haven't been there for pretty much, well, TCM since 2011. It's a long time. It is a long time. I honestly thought they'd been there since then, but that is a long time to not have seen those cars at Wanneroo. Um, I, ultimately, it's a money thing. It costs a lot of money to bring a category from the East Coast to the West Coast, and whether that's through um, a good sponsor, a generous benefactor, or government funding, someone ultimately has to pay for it, and that's what brings categories over there. Yeah, and it's also the willingness of the competitor base to... It's a fine line between going to some tracks that you haven't been to for a while and mm. servicing some uh, – maybe there's some sponsors in the categories that are based and hubbed in some of these places that they go and race in. So it would be great to to see some of those cars. But I can't see the ARG Speed Series ever ending up going as far flung as Perth. I feel like it's a really East Coast type of scenario. So it would need TCM to go and – run as a one-off at a supercars round as part mm. of the support categories, I I think, to be able to have that be a possibility at all, which they do do. They're racing at various supercar rounds mm. this year, not just on the Speed Series bill. They'll be uh, in Newcastle to start the year at the Thrifty Newcastle 500, the start of the last season for John Bow in TCM, actually, with that Toronto. Well, last full-time season. Oh, it's the testimonial season. tour. It's the Chow for Now tour. It, don't call it retirement no, no, because he's ch- not retired. It's Chow for Now. Yes. Now, it's retirement from full-time Touring Car Masters competition. Oh, I just wouldn't even use the word. Also he's, translated he's, to shit, it's hard to get lots of money every year to keep <laughs> on racing your car. It's a grind. I totally get it. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing him. This year because be TCM's good. always a, a good category. Uh, Josh, we'd love to see it in Perth again. So maybe start – wasn't there a push a few years back to get TCM to go to Townsville? And they and succeeded. Was, they succeeded. There was one fan there, there who was pushed really hard. Facebook page? Yeah. Josh, buddy, Facebook yeah. page. Get TCM to Perth. By get on public it. public demand. Get on it. 
make it happen. Uh, by public demand too, that's a nice segue you've uh, created there. You didn't know you did it, but you did it. <laughs> yeah, you can tell I didn't know I did it. By public demand, we are having another of our V8 Sleuth open nights to start the year. So we normally have them at the Bathurst 1000 at the National Motor Racing Museum, but this year we're going to have it at the National Motor Racing Museum at the Bathurst 12 hour, which <laughs> we had one last year with Neil Crompton. This year, Garth Tander, five-time Bathurst 1000 winner and reigning great race champion uh, and mover from GM to Ford is yes. going to be our special guest. It's on the Friday night of the Liquid Volley Bathurst 12 hour from 7.30 at the museum. You can get your tickets now. Uh, the link is in the show notes for this episode. So jump on there, grab a ticket or two or three or four, come along. It's always a good night. Plenty of chances to throw lots of questions at GT. There are plenty of topics to talk to him about. He's not driving in the 12 hour this year, I want to underline too. few people have said, oh, looking forward to seeing him race. He's actually going to be driving a microphone again uh, as part of the supercar produced broadcast for this year, which he actually was – he started last year, but I think he mm. learned his lesson. He mm. went way too hard too early and blew his <laughs> voice apart. So 12-hour race, I think he's learned his lesson. It and is a marathon, although, not a sprint. But we will ensure that he's got a couple of hours of voice for Friday night. They're always great nights at the museum. Uh, up close, you can have a wander around the museum, take a good look at all the stuff that's in there. There's always something coming or going, and um, these nights have proven to be really popular. So grab your tickets and come along and enjoy the night. Next question is from Ross Miller. Love the pod, guys. Glad you're back. Thank That's you, a way Ross. to get your question on, isn't it? Yeah, there's a few questions. I like think everyone's that. cottoning on to this. Very well. Let's stop reading those bits because yeah. they're all going, oh, I got it on. <laughs> uh, Ross's question, and I really enjoyed trying to dig out the answer for this one. What was the last pre project blueprint chassis to compete in the main game? Did it race on past 2003? Oh. What, what, what do you reckon? How? Sorry, let's. How late do you reckon? we're looking here in terms of year. I know there's a list here, but I haven't really analysed it to go yeah. through it. But it has to be a Commodore because you couldn't update an AU Falcon to a BA Falcon. Correct. and For the, racing anyway. Some people did it for ride cars later this is on. true. So the last AUs to appear in the main game were in 2004 when Garth Walden ran a few rounds in one of the – I think he did the Enduros in a DJ, XDJR AU. Yeah. And a lot – I think he was at the... It was an ex-Seaton car that they yeah. ran earlier in that year. Yeah. And Under the, the Romano end, franchise, yeah. number 24. Correct. So, yes, we're looking at Holden's So, here. it goes past that because Holden's... So, you could take a VX... In fact, take you could VT. take a VT from 1998, mm. in theory, and end up going all the way through to VZ, same floor pan all the way through. So, Correct. So, for Blueprint, the last year of Blueprint's 02, so that's a VX. Mm-hmm. So there were plenty of them who were chopped and became VYs. When I say chopped, they chopped the front off them. Yeah. Uh, not Trouble a Larry bar and everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then a VY to VZ was a pretty small. It's cosmetic, basically. Cosmetic update, wasn't it? So yeah. VE comes along in 07. There were VZ still going in 07. Some teams started with them. And the team that springs to my mind, I know there was a bit of a mixture, wasn't there? Mm. Paul Morris had one that was still going. Correct. And super cheap PWR had one that Paul Umbrell got the new VE and Cam McConville was left with the old VZ. And didn't he run one of those that dated way back to like HRT, SCAFE? So that would be a VT that became a VZ. So that's about eight years worth. Correct. That's that one. Yeah. Well, there are a couple. That is not the oldest one. Well, that, sorry, that is that not the last one. But yes. Yeah. So... The, so Having done, having done the you've Perkins, done the homework, well, yeah. yes, but having done that the Perkins Engineering car history book a couple of years ago, I thought, oh, maybe it was a Larry car, so that's where I started. Um, PE thirty nine 
which started life as a VX race to the end of 2004. So that's the 2002 Bathurst runner-up. Correct. England and Steve Richards. And that never quite made it to becoming a VY until after they deregistered. They never they uh, did the full okay. cut on it. So yeah, it a remained, ride car. Yeah, and it yeah. remained um, pre-blueprint. Oh, this, was this the ride car that Jack and Shane Price were running in all around the country in 06? That Just pull another set Nathan, of D11 Dunlops off the rack. The, the yeah, off Pretty we go. Yeah. So famously grumbled about and Larry gave him an uppercut and then later gave him a drive two years later. Yeah, that's it, yeah. So Um, a couple of HRT cars. Yes. So, and they both started life like, so the oldest one was actually debuted in 1999 at Bathurst and it was the car. Yeah, it was HRT 42. It was the car that Lowndes secured his last title with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's been around a long time, that car. Yep, contributed to Scaife's 2000 title because they did, did the, the bulk of the swap. work. Yep. yep. Um, then Todd Kelly ran it in Kmart colours in 01 and 02. It was eventually converted to VY with the whole front cut, kept mm-hmm. its 18-degree Chev engine and went to PWR. And that's it was right. that was Brighty's car for a chunk of time that year and then remained with PWR into that super cheap era in 2007 before they swapped to VEs. And they did have another car, HRT 047, which was an ex-Bright car from HRT built in 02, and that ran through to, was still used in the 07 season as well. Oh, that's right, because McConville used two different VZs yes. at the start of 07. But yeah. that wasn't the last one to appear. Oh, I and thought we were there. No, no, no. Oh, I thought, okay. to be honest, I thought we were there as well. We're but not then, there. No, went to the last race of the season to see, okay, what VZs are on the grid? It was one and you hit the nail on the head, Paul Morris Motorsports. Because they ran a mixture, and they, they kept, mixture. but they didn't bring out another VE. They stayed with the VZ for, for the Fabian yeah. Coulthard and Alan Gurr. Is that the year that they that would be swapped and they shared? Fabian Ellery, Steve Ellery. Oh, he did a couple of rounds to get ready for the Enduros. And Owen Kelly finished and Owen, the Yeah, Owen Kelly did the last couple of rounds too after Fabian departed. Yeah, and yeah, that car. Right. so that car was the very first in-house Paul Morris built that's Astro. Astro. The Matt Neal Oren Park practice crash car. On debut, yes. Yep, yep. That's so the that one. is that car and was eventually raced or eventually tested by Dale Earnhardt Jr. That's right. After that 07 finale. Uh-huh. There you go. So, yeah. So, so I was well, shocked that they so ran that late. So, basically, five years is the answer to Ross's question about how long hmm. it took for a pre-project blueprint chassis to work its way through and continue in yeah. supercars. So, Basically, everyone in 08 went to VE. Correct. And obviously in Fordland, they had already moved on um, to the BA previously. So, yeah, great question. Mm. Uh, that's the sort of stuff that... That's uh, fun. A bit that's of, fun to go figure bit, out. A bit of sleuthing uh, specials there. I like it. Very good. Yeah. Sean Lander asks, well, actually, he starts by saying, so glad you're finally back. It's been a long summer without my weekly dose of sleuthing. Got to have a holiday every now and then, Sean. <laughs> Give us a break. <laughs> Steady on. Uh, he asks, if you were to curate a display at the Motor Racing Museum at Bathurst, brackets not open Tuesdays. He yes, listens, he to listens the ads. Yeah. Um, Although, ironically, it was open on Tuesdays it was during, during the, the summer, holidays. during school I holidays. I didn't know that and yeah. thought, oh, they're completely making me sound like a liar. Uh, um, if we were to curate a display at the Motor Racing Museum of Gen 2 era cars, which cars would we display? When you say Gen 2, does that mean we're just sticking future, to... Okay, think. let's say car of the yeah. future because I was going to say that disqualifies a couple that I would instantly put in. Mm. You've got to have a Volvo. Absolutely. bit hard to do. You've got to air freight it out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a Mercedes AMG Erebus Benz. Oh, yeah. Easy. I see where you're going with this. You need one of each animal. No, no not quite. But uh, I, I think you, you need do. one of each. Oh, yes. No, you <laughs> yeah. would. But on top of that, you need a Nissan. Mm-hmm. 
you need – although they're pretty busy now. They're all in use just about pretty much. Although Rick Kelly's got one sitting in his shed. so And it was the we, last winner. Yeah, yeah, so, the Winton winner. So yeah. we can get a hold of that. I we think asked if, Rick nicely. Yeah. yeah, I think in ZBs, Mustangs, oh, you've got to have – You've got to have the Pepsi Max probably championship winning winner bottom car. Yeah. I know there were a couple of Bathurst winning cars. Well, at worst, the sister car's already in, already at the museum. It's so <laughs> What's left of what's it? What's left of it? Yeah. Bits of it are. I think you need the winner bottom winner. I think you need the last winning um, Bathurst winning Van Giz car because it's the record holder and won all the cool Chastity. stuff. Yep. Um, would be good to see that at the National Motor Racing Museum. It would. Uh, the Most at Bathurst winning car, mm-hmm. the McLaughlin Bathurst winning car, because you get a bit of championship winningness in yeah. all that too. And the la- I reckon I'd throw the last Falcon championship winner as well, because especially yeah. with that car's history at Bathurst with Scotty doing the um, Is that one of the ones that's already gone to the States? It is. So it's Are you paying the air freight bill for all well, these Well, it's a hypothetical, Or is Sean going to fork over here for Sean hasn't said no. Maybe right, this is why he asks. Maybe he's willing to accept the invoice charges. <laughs> well, the other thing is too, we should point this out, later in the year, the Repco Bathurst 1000, this year's the 60th anniversary of the great race at Bathurst. Mm. Yes, I know it's not of the great race because there were three years where it was at Phillip Island and a lot of people are going to ask, so let's just get on with it here now. <laughs> yes. Hang on a minute. It was 50 years in 2012. Now you're doing 60 years in 2023. That's 11 years on, not 10. Well, in 2012, supercars were just really keen to get stuck into the history. It was the 50th year mm. of the race. That's how we've always framed it. We've never shied from that. It wasn't the anniversary. We never said it was. This year is the 60th anniversary of the great race at Bathurst, 63-23. So surely there's got to be some big-ticket stuff in terms of bringing together cool cars, putting together great stuff, reuniting legendary drivers with one another and cars and all sorts of stuff. I reckon there's a good opportunity here, a great excuse to be able to come up with some of this cool stuff and not just talk about it, how good would it be, but actually actually do it. it. Yeah, Yeah, do it. I think the phone calls will need to start being made now. Bit to be done. Yeah, little bit to be done. done. You can ring Sweden to get the Volvo. Um, A shotgun not. (laughs) uh, Well, Hey, making the call to ask for the Volvo, far cheaper and easy than actually having to fork over to get it out here. So This is very good point. I'm giving you the easy jobs here. <laughs> yes. uh, Jay Chapman, he says, who will be the surprise runners with Gen 3? Do you think we'll see BJR jump up like they did last time that a new car came out or maybe Blanchard's? It's an interesting question. I think there's a lot of people with a theory on this. What's the Will Dale theory? Does Gen 3 instantly mean that someone leaps up the pecking order from last year? I don't know whether it instantly, but it definitely opens up the opportunity for it to happen with the teams that are um, self-sufficient, for want of a better word. So a team like Erebus, um, they're probably the one that's in my mind. They're quite ready. They're quite happy with their preparation. I'm sure they'd be happy if the cars were completed a few months ago, but that was out of everyone's hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Erebus is probably the one I'd flag. Blanchard is actually another. Todd Hazelwood we know is quite quick and it's an opportunity for them to focus all their efforts on getting one car as opposed to the two, three and four that other teams are doing. So those are probably the two teams that I would watch out for. I think the interesting thing here is that when I think back to 2013, Car of the Future was a reset. We had a lot of different winners. I don't have the numbers with me of how many different amount. drivers, yeah. but it was In huge. Nine, yeah. 10, 11? Something like that. Chaz Most at Scott McLaughlin, rookie wins. Fabian Coulthard, first win. Wink Up, Lounge. Jason Bright. Jason Bright. 
Tanda surely won somewhere along the way yeah. that year. I think Courtney. Will did. Davis won. Frosty as well. Frosty. Uh, yeah. James Moffat. James Moffat. Winton. So I think the difference here is, though, and probably no one stopped to really ponder this or analyse it, if you just compared then and now to, say, a Brad Jones racing, do they have the same driving uh, level that they had with J- Jason Bright, Fame and Coulthard was solid, like really solid in 13. Like mm. that's probably just about Fabian's peak other than his Penske era when he was kind of overshadowed by Scotty. He was kind of there at the wrong time. But you look at the BJR of now, of where they've been the last couple of years versus where they were the last few years leading into that last changeover. They had far more experienced drivers then. And that's not to say that Andre's not highly experienced. He's probably the the standout, clearly, of the four that they've got there. I don't reckon it quite correlates to... It's it, the theory's good. I like the theory mm. that we want to jumble it up, but look at the drivers who are coming into the championship in thirteen, and you can judge them on what they've done since. McLaughlin, world class, mm. Mostert, top notch supercar star. He's won, you know, everything but the championship pretty much now. They were coming in then. They were the drivers who were on that list of winners. Is there the same talent pool that are in these teams that get the jumble up now? Can they actually then turn it into victories? And albeit one-offs or two-offs, not winning 10 in a year or anything like that, I don't quite see it being that way. And But more so for that reason than they're just shaking it all up with new cars. I think we will get some interesting results, which are good for the game, but the cream always rises. The oh, Red Bull sure. guys, the DJR guys, the Tickford guys. The, the teams that built the car. Yeah, that always Designed comes the cars, too. Yeah, yeah. But I think that... We will see some surprises, but I don't think it'll be because we've um, fully because we've jumbled it up. And I don't think you'll see surprises from the teams that you might have seen them from last time we had a reset. I can't wait to see Golding and Slade Ooh, at yes. Premier because yeah. James Golding now has a very real, tangible, known yardstick to be up against. You know, he, he came in last year. Blitz Chris Pither, which I don't think anybody was all that surprised by. Mm. But now he's got a Tim Slade who's been a race winner in the championship before. He's been around a long time, which means he knows how to survive. And he's had some great results over the years. If he can beat Slade, hmm, okay. And by doing that, do they push themselves forward? And now this is – I think this is their chance. I see them as leaping up in a bigger, more noticeable way than Blanchard's or, or BJR. That's a fair call. Yeah. Uh, Team 18 is probably another one to watch. Again, they need they, to. Well, yes. They but they've also to. reacted by bringing a lot of more of their stuff in-house. They're building their own cars this year mm. um, as a direct response to, well, in part due to the timeline, but also like the success they had with fixing their power steering issue by bringing all that in-house. Mm. When you have more control over your own universe, then it's really up to you. At least you know all the bits and pieces are done right. And if it's going wrong, you can always just blame yourself. Exactly. Rather than and, you know, not quite knowing what's and, going on. And they've got two good drivers in Mark Winterbottom and Scott Pye, both proven race-winning drivers. So that's an opportunity for them to, if they can get all their ducks in a row and someone else misses out, then that's another team that can potentially do quite well this year. And, of course, everything we've just said could be all instantly redundant by the time the cars roll out in Newcastle. Shane could so. win by 13 laps. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Who bloody didn't, knows? Didn't Craig Lowndes win the second ever Car of the Future race in Adelaide on the Sunday by a record margin at the Adelaide 500? It was the first one. It was, was, it, was, it the, was first the Saturday yeah, one? He won the, the Saturday, Saturday race. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shane won the Sunday. Not a good way to start the uh, new era with the biggest win in the history of the event no. to that point. <laughs> no. <laughs> but that would have been an unexpected result. If not the person, then certainly the margin. Mm. Definitely.
definitely. Troy Summerfield's next. He's a bit of a regular to the pod, Will. I'm not going to say what he said at the start of his uh, line. I know how this works to definitely get a response. Steady on, Troy. You might not get your question <laughs> on next time around. Uh, anyway, any chance we can get Richard Holway or Michael Ritter on the pod this year? Maybe you could call them out on the pod so they have no choice but to respond. Troy, I'm never going to call out Michael Ritter because <laughs> – That would end. How, that, how do you it, think that you know would what? end? It wouldn't work. It yeah. wouldn't end well. Yeah. But I – all jokes aside, I'd love to have both Krusty and, and Mick on the pod. I think they'd be great. Lots of stories, lots of involvement over the years. I think really the main um, sticking point for the first part of the year, everyone is so busy mm. and I wouldn't want to do a short, sharp 20, 30-minute chat. I'd rather have our traditional kind of you know 90-minute-ish to two-hour sort of sit-down. It's pretty hard to have too many people in the industry find that sort of time at the moment. But they're on the list. Definitely keen. I'm up for it. Yeah, we have put together a very big list of targets for 2023 slash 2024 slash 2025. We're open to more suggestions. We are. So keep them rolling in. One of the things I'd like to do this year, time dependent and availability of the people, is to get a bit more privateer stuff this year. Mm. There's some great privateers from over the journey. I think our sleuth listeners love that era um, of racing and those stories that you probably don't really get in too many places. You get the big names in a lot of different places, but you don't really get, whether it's Trevor Ashby and Steve Reed, whether it's Terry Finnegan, Bob Jones. Cameron McLean. Cameron McLean yeah. is up for it. I've, I've spoken to Cameron and he's, he's keen to do it at some point. There's a big list of names and some of them you might not have thought of for quite some time who we'd love to – to have a chat with and I think there's plenty of, and there's some overseas names too that mm. I've got on a bit of a, a list to to hunt down as well so we'll see what we can come up with Matthew Deer asks great to have you guys back looking forward to another year's listening thank you Matthew what will be happening to the two Gen 3 prototypes once the season gets underway lots more testing <laughs> yeah uh, it's hard to imagine that um, the parity discussion will end um, on March 10 slash 12 in Newcastle that'll continue on and I dare say those cars will have to head to Wellcamp and various other circuits to do more evaluation work during the year. Because that uh, are those cars owned by Supercars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although they've been put together by Triple Eight and hmm. Dick Johnson Racing and, and Ford Performance, they are uh, Supercars IP. They have Supercars. They are chassis one and two. Hmm. Um, so it's a new, which I think we've talked about last year, but new it's a convention. new numbering convention for Supercars. They put a Supercars chassis number to all the chassis whether they're built by pace for teams, built by teams, or however they're, they're all done. Teams will give them their own individual team chassis number as well. But, yeah, those two are supercars, cars, for mm. want of a better term. And clearly they'll be used for displays, demonstrations, no different. And when you say about them doing more testing and more parity and more stuff like that, that's not to say that that's any different from what happened previously because no, absolutely. the prototype cars for the Car of the Future era, they were both used for a fair while and the Falcon got used for longer because it was the datum, the FGX mm. Falcon with the bodywork updated for the other cars that were coming into supercars. So they'll get plenty of use out of those cars over the, the journey ahead, that's for sure. Clint Tice has another chassis question, but it's slightly different to the ones we normally get. I'm worried. What happens to the supercars safety cars when they're no longer required? Over the years, there's been Vodafone Mustang, Hot Wheels Commodore, Holden Jackaroo at Bathurst in 96. Are they still in existence? Do they get sold off to a car yard or do they meet a gruesome death? I think it's a combination of all of those things. It kind of depends on 
how they were chosen. Like, of course, what the deal was exactly because you think back to the first pace car at Bathurst in '87. That was a Nissan deal sponsorship for the race, exactly. And the Jackaroo in '96 and I think '95 as well. That was because Holden was the official supplier. I think they had Commodores. Later yeah, on, like a yeah. Hackett Gold Commodore comes to mind. Yeah, ninety eight, ninety eight, because it was the fiftieth anniversary of Holden. Mm, ninety eight. Yep. So a bit of a mixture over the years, and I'm sure some of those liveries are wraps. So mm. I'm sure that the wraps get peeled off eventually, and those cars are returned to whether it's the manufacturer who loaned them as part of the sponsorship deal, uh, or there's been some other deal in place. Well, they get left in New Zealand on a car name, oh, still yes. fully wrapped. Yeah. So one of the was it the 300C Chrysler Wagon? Wagons? Yeah. What, mid-2000s-ish era? It's turned up on Trade Me last year. <laughs> yeah, Trade Me is the New Zealand eBay. They yes. don't do eBay in New Zealand. They do Trade Me, which is their their thing, yeah. online marketplace. Was it a case that that car had gone there and didn't come back? Never quite got to the bottom of what the answer was there. But, yeah, it was mm. definitely an intriguing thing to – so they do turn up. Yeah, like, yeah, they're around. And, look, if anybody listening has any – well. If you have, if you have a safety car that's formerly been used for supercars, call us now. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, I'd love to know where the Hot Wheels Commodore ended up. Remember the yes, blue Hot yeah. Wheels car that was the the safety car at I think it was Albert Park because it sponsored the supercars one year and With it was the number one on the side like the Kyle Petty NASCAR. Yeah, color yeah, scheme. it had a wing on it and it looked, yeah. it looked. It was when Sam Newman ran the Hot Wheels car in the um, V8 supercars at Albert Park. So. Which was faster, Sam. Yeah, yeah, Sam. Sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. Safety car was probably in the gravel less. True, true. Um, some of the Bathurst 1000 safety cars, we did a feature on this last year, year mm. before on the V8 Sleuth website with a, a list of what the safety car was each year, which uh, a bit of nerdiness there, but I'd love to know where all those have ended up. Well, we know where one of well, them is. We, we know up. where a couple of them are mm. because there were a few occasions where 12-hour cars were used as safety cars either before or after. Mm. They raced in the 12-hour. I remember the BP Mazda RX-7, which must have been one of the two cars that ran in the, t- the 93 12-hour. I'm not mm. sure if it was the winner or um, or not. It was the pace car for the 1,000 that year. Yes. Um, but wasn't it the case that the pace car of the previous pre- – no, it went the other way for the GDR from 92? Correct. In 92, the black GTR that headed the field for so much of that race during those terrible conditions – um, was the number three Falcon Tires car in the 12-hour the following year. So it went from safety car to or pace car, as it kind of was then, yeah. to race car. To unsafety car. From pace to race. Yeah. That's cool. I yeah. like that. And that car's still around. It's with, I think it changed hands in recent so, years and is, yeah. Yeah, is in I, that I did, livery. I did read something somewhere on socials. I've got a feeling, don't quote me on this, but it might be at the 12-hour. On display. I'm not sure. I think I read that somewhere on socials. That'd be really cool. Don't shoot me if I've got that wrong. But it's a cool question, Clint. If anyone out there knows or has something that they think might have been a safety car, love to know. Hmm. Love to know. Love to hear from you. Uh, You can get in touch with us via the V8 Sleuth website. There's a contact page on our site or socials or there's a million ways to get in touch. I think if you're a regular listener of the pod, you kind of know how to get to us. Yes. Last question from Rob Kingston. With Garth Tander moving to Ford in 2023, does this leave Greg Murphy with the most races only driving a Holden? And if it's not Murph, then who is it? Has to be Murph. Surely it's Murph. It is. And we're Murph. talking in the championship. In the championship. ATCC, Australian Touring Car Championship. We do not count his Toyota Carina Bathurst. Drive. Or his Ford Sierra Peanut Slabness. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. In terms of championship race starts, when Garth Tander starts the 
Sandown 500 for mm-hmm. Grove Racing in whichever of the two entries he'll be in. Um, that means Greg Murphy will hold the record for the most number of championship race starts in a Holden with 443. Well, only in a Holden. He only won't have the record in for in a Holden, Correct. but only in a Holden. Only in a Holden. Yeah. Yep. Um, Garth is on 600 and something. Yeah. 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 All right. So who's no, – no. <laughs> clearly it's a record that's not going to be uh, – No. Well, and who else has only ever driven a Holden who could drive something else from now on? Um, so there's actually a few people – when you look back down through the list of people who have only made championship race starts in a Holden, there's a few on the list that will actually drop off at Newcastle. Mm. So uh, behind Murph, or behind, if Garth is still P1 at the moment and then Murph will take over P1 later this year, behind them it's Cameron McConville on 331 mm-hmm. championship race starts because, of course, his DJR non-championship does not count. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry Perkins on 318 is Must after that. DJR doesn't count. Yep. And I don't think Larry will be driving a Chev next year or later this year in the championship. Uh, one person who will be, though, is Nick Perkat, who would be next on that list with 288 championship race starts all in Holdens. So he's going to be gone. After Newcastle. Um, then Jason Richards on 284. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Macca Jones is next on the list. Um, well, he's going to get kicked off it. Correct. And then it's Trevor Ashby uh-huh. on 128. Oh, Nice. Yeah. Good sleuthy. Right behind him is Steve Reed. <laughs> oh, well, I'd be, I actually yeah. saw Trevor Ashby's name there and felt really weird to not that see, Steve yeah. Reed's was not instantly listed alongside, below, or in front of. I'm advised by Shane that Steve Reed is next on that list. And we should mention, if you've not listened to the podcast before, Shane Rogers is our uh, AN1 data expert. He is he's the our data engineer. Of, he's the data engineer. He crunches the numbers in the database and the stats and comes up with some of the crazy answers to some of your even crazier questions that we try our best to answer uh, in ways that no one else can answer in Australian motorsport. Hey, we're done. That's our first episode of the new year. Episode 263 is in the books. Uh, we'll be back next week with another Q&A edition. Keep the questions rolling in. We've still got a backlog from over summer, but keep them rolling in because you just never know what you're going to turn up. If you've got a supercars or Bathurst safety car, we want to hear about it. Get in touch with us. And if we have any responses, we will report back next week on the pod. That's the VA Salute Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll chat again next week. The things these streets have seen, like legends, half man, half machine, who head up north to go down in history. But here in the Ville, nothing comes for free, because here, there's no should. These streets reveal what's really under the hood. If these streets could talk, they wouldn't. They'd roar. They've seen the unforgettable, and they just want more. NTI Townsville 500. Book now at Ticketek.